Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 25. Noel was starting to get bored of the game. If he was being completely honest, it had started to get old after the first lap of the field. Yet 30 minutes later, they still hadn't managed to pin Cahill down to a single location and slaughter him. All because of some insane and invisible power that Maeve said would prevent her winning. Which meant everyone walked behind him, slow and steady, while Cahill ran about like a headless chicken trying to smash down a magical wall. Once or twice, a member of Danny's group had wanted to break free and just chase Cahill down, impale the scrawny man to the ground and end the charade entirely. Luckily Danny had a brain that functioned a bit better than his fellow thugs. He barked out an order and everyone went back to marching in single file. The person at the top of the line had to be the first person to hit Cahill, otherwise they were breaking the rules. Which meant that Noll had the honour of striking Cahill first. An honour Noll was going to relish, whenever they finally caught up with the champion. Just give up already, one of Danny's men shouted at Cahill as they drew closer. Cahill, puffing and panting, looked back at them. He gritted his teeth and started to run away slightly faster. But, this time, to change things up a little, Cahill ran towards the small hill where they had first encountered him. He stumbled up the side and at the crest stopped. I'm not going down without a fight, he said, shaking the silver hurley stick at them. I mean it. Noll liked the look of the stick and figured after they had killed Cahill he would keep it. A memento of the longest walk he had taken in any lifetime. Well, all right then, he said to the man on the hill. Let's dance. Drew looked around and saw Filthy Henry running through the forest. Behind him came Alice and Mammy Cullen carrying the baby car seat between them. Um, I thought you had some fantastic plan and supplies back at the house, Drew said. Filthy Henry stopped beside Shelley and looked out at the field. I did. These are the supplies. Where's Cahill? Up there on the hill, Shelley said, pointing. Maeve's guys are walking towards him, slowly. It's actually kind of weird to watch them walk. Yeah, sticking to the rules is an odd thing for some people. The guy at the front has to strike Cahill first, since he was the one who engaged in conversation just before it all started. The single file thing is clever as well, if I'm being honest. My fault for not being more precise. The Marai nodded her head in agreement. Now we understand what the Skoid was really asking us, she said. Filthy Henry turned and looked at the fairy. You told them how to bend the rules. Not exactly. We were asked to provide clarification on the aspects of single combat and explained that the champion could only be faced by one of his opponents at a time. Shelley scratched thoughtfully behind her left ear, staring at the line of men. Meaning they can't surround Cahill, because then he would be faced by many men at the same time. So that's why they're all in a single line. They're all looking in the same direction. Mariah nodded her head once. We did not factor that into our answer. While they've obviously fielded more men, they've done it within the confines of the rules. 
Mamby Cullen and Alice slowly lowered the baby seat to the ground near the still burning fire. You could have offered to carry him some of the way, Mamby Cullen said. True, Filthy Henry replied. But I'm an equal rights sort of man. Also, I need you to bring the seat out into that field after I've gone. I'm not going to let anything risk this plan. Drew, make sure that bubbling bundle of pain in my ass is over the green line. That should cover off any requirement to have the proper champion on the field of battle. Now, Alice, come with me. We don't have much time. Drew had never claimed to be the quickest of thinkers, but he was completely bemused as to what filthy Henry had planned. As he watched the fairy detective take hold of Alice's hand and run out into the field, through the one-way barrier keeping Cottle in, it was even less obvious what he was going to achieve. Here, Baldy, Mammy Cullen said. The druid looked around. He said you were to carry the little one out into the field thirty seconds after you ran out there with my son's lady. Drew looked over. Shelley frowned. Well, go on, she said. Do you understand what's happening here? He asked her, walking over to the car seat and taking hold of the handle. Not a clue, Shelley replied. And you know what? I'm not entirely sure Filthy Henry does either. This was a plan of sorts. It was, at the very least, the genesis of a plan. Worst case, it was an idea that could be explained to people later in a sentence which included the word plan. Right then, however, it was the best plan anyone had. Filthy Henry ran, dragging Alice along by the hand so that they were behind the line of men with swords, but separated at about twenty feet. Everyone in the line had turned their heads and watched the pair running past. None of them moved at all. The short man at the top of the line glanced back at Cahill to make sure this was not some sort of rescue attempt. Hold on a second, you ugly donkeys, Filthy Henry shouted at the line of men as they ran by. Just wait a minute. Alice tugged hard on the fairy detective's hand, and he stopped running. What? he asked, annoyed that she was stopping him. She stared back. What? Are you serious? I've no idea what's going on. None at all. You haven't explained a damn thing to me. And now I'm out here looking at a bunch of men walking towards Cahill, with what appeared to be swords. Where do you even get swords from? Filthy Henry let go of her hand, and took a step closer so that he could take advantage of his height, and looked down at her. Listen to me, he said calmly. Up on that hill is a man madly in love with you, and wants to do nothing more than show you that. I reckon you know that yourself deep down. But you also seem to be the sort of girl that won't take a risk on a man that is considered the village idiot. In Cahill's hand is a mystical weapon that's intended for his baby brother. But to try and impress the girl, which is you, Cahill is willing to use said weapon and save the day. He's even off the drink to show you that he could be a better man. Yeah, but you bullied him into doing that, Alice said, poking the fair detective in the chest with her finger. Plus, I'm not completely sure I believe all this magic end-of-the-world stuff anyway. It's crazy. Sometimes heroes are born. Other times, legends happen by accident, Filthy Henry said. The point I'm trying to make is I do whatever's needed to keep the world spinning. Right now, that involves kissing you. He didn't wait for her to reply. With both hands, Filthy Henry cupped the sides of Alice's head, tilted it to the left a little, and went in for the kiss. She didn't pull away from him or start to punch random body parts, so the fairy detective assumed both parties were now on board with the plan. All they had to do was wait, 
when the moment was right, dropped to the dirt. Which, Filthy Henry thought, under normal circumstances, could have been the beginning of a beautiful night for all involved. Shelley and Drew stood beside Mammy Cullen, just outside the green barrier, and watched everything going on in the field. Is he just going to run around and... Uh, kiss her? Drew asked. That's a terrible plan. I never liked him, Mammy Cullen said. From the moment I laid my eyes on him, I knew he was a bad one. Both statements couldn't be argued with, and Shelley was not even going to try. Her first meeting with Filthy Henry had made her think he was a rude jerk. Later, during their first case together, she had almost kissed him. Thankfully, he had vanished from sight, and Shelley had come back to her senses. The near kiss had been just her feelings being caught up in the life or death moment of being hunted by vampires. Yet right now, it did seem that the fairy detective was trying to save the world by kissing a girl he had only known for less than a week. On the surface, it was just a dreadful choice. Although it had for some reason stopped the line of men for a few minutes at least, as each of them stared at Alice and Filthy Henry. Even by the pale moonlight, it was easy to see all seven of them were as confused as Shelley, Drew and Mammy Cullen. I have honestly no idea what he's up to, Shelley said. Drew pointed at Cahill. What's happening there? They turned their gazes away from the lip-locking going on and looked at Cahill. He was pacing back and forth on the hilltop, keeping his eyes fixed firmly on Alice and Filthy Henry. In his hands the silver hurley stick appeared to be glowing, a white light outlining it. Finally, Cahill seemed to have had enough voyeurism for one night and stopped moving. He slammed a foot into the ground and brought the hurley stick up over his head. With an anguished roar, Cahill swung the stick down fast. The moment the hurley stick made contact with the ground, suddenly things got very interesting. Maeve couldn't believe that the fairy detective had dared to enter the field of battle just to kiss some girl. It was beyond irritating and would not be tolerated. Not when the end of this stupid affair was so close. The Queen did not run or even walk quickly. There was no need to. People not in control of their anger ran towards their victims for a variety of reasons. Mainly to ensure the victim didn't escape. Maeve knew her intended victims had no way to escape and so was fully in control of her temper. True there would be some limbs hacked off but that was to be expected when somebody interfered repeatedly in matters that were none of their concern. The Queen swung her blade. A spare sword which Danny had dug up threw the air a couple of times and focused her stare on the two kissing figures in front. She would slice the pair of them apart. Then Noel could get back to business and kill Cahill. Having her prize before breakfast would make for a very good start to the day. On the hilltop, a bright light caught Maeve's attention. She looked up and saw the silver hurley stick glowing. The full moon overhead caught nicely on its metallic surface. A picturesque sight to see, right before a good killing. Maeve continued walking forward, her grip on the sword handled tight and firm, ready for the kill. She was going to enjoy this. Cahill was seething. Actually seething. He was so annoyed that he was unsure when he had learned the word seething but knew it was fitting for right now. A series of thoughts flew through his mind. Despite being told Alice would look at him as a man who achieved something great, irregardless of listening to a group of Egypts, 
even ignoring the fact that magic seemed to be the stuff of reality and not confined to badly written fantasy stories. Alice was still kissing Filthy Henry, the backstabbing detective. A full-on, lip-slapping, saliva-exchanging kiss that was happening while Cottle tried his very best to defend the world and impress the girl. A kiss that a group of men who wanted to kill Cottle were watching. A kiss that should have been happening to Cottle. A kiss. He could feel his fingers tighten around the handle of the hurley stick. So tight it felt as if the metal would break. It should have broke. Snapped in two, similar to how Filthy Henry's betraying neck should have been broken. Just on the edge of his vision, Cottle could see the metal had started glowing. A bright white light outlining the hurley stick. From deep, deep down, Cottle could feel his hurt and pain gather together, forming a ball in the pit of his stomach. Anger, rage in fact, was pouring on top. He could feel his whole body shake. The urge to hit something ginger, repeatedly, with the hurley stick growing with each passing second the kiss continued. Suddenly a fuzzy memory of what had happened in the forest the other day popped into Cahill's mind. He had felt this rage before. He was sure of it. Somehow the stick had helped him deal with the anger then. He just couldn't remember how. As he paced back and forth on the hilltop, it all became too much to bear. Cahill decided that the men with swords could kill him later if they wanted. Right then he had a fairy detective to take care of, permanently. He brought the hurley stick over his head and swung it down hard, putting all his strength into the movement. Just as it had in the forest, Cahill felt the hurley stick start to draw his energy into it. It was a strange experience, but the stick was almost pulling the anger and rage from him, taking it into itself. A little voice whispered in his mind, suggesting that Cahill give in and release the rage. With each beat of his heart, he could feel the stick pull a little more from him. The memory of what had happened in the forest, including the reason why, clarified in an instant as the hurley stick drew everything from Cahill. Lines of bright white electricity crackled along the handle of the hurley stick, growing more intense with each passing second. They gathered at the head and began to form a bright white ball of swirling energy. A ball that seemed to call out to Cahill. A siren's song enticing him just to release all his pent-up anger. He stopped fighting it and let go of his rage. It happened just as Filthy Henry hoped. Some people would have called it a mad plan, insane even. Some people would have been given awards for stating the obvious, if awards were given for such things. But one thing Filthy Henry was known for, aside from acting like a jerk to everybody he met, was his ability to make insane plans work exactly as he wanted. Of course there were degrees of success to all things, and one way of measuring a plan's success was to see if you actually survived its execution. There was a blindingly loud noise and a deafeningly bright light. A blast of magic so strong and powerful that it confused the senses erupted from the hurley stick. Filthy Henry could see Cahill holding the stick with both hands and aim its head directly towards the fairy detective and Alice. The beam of white energy fired down from the hilltop in a perfect line. It travelled through the air like a straight lightning bolt headed for the seven men with swords. The short one at the front turned just as the energy approached him and held up his weapon right as the beam touched his arm. The man roared a blistering scream of pain. 
The beam passed through everyone in the line, covering each of them in whiteness. Filthy Henry stopped kissing Alice, wrapped his arms around her, and dropped to the ground right as the last of the men was hit by the raw magic. The beam continued on its path of destruction, passing barely over the fairy detective and Alice. He risked looking over his shoulder and saw the powerful energy come a lot closer than a normal person would consider comfortable. As the fairy detective adjusted his body to make sure Alice was protected, he saw a lone figure marching towards them, a sword in her hand and a look of pure, unbridled hatred on her face. We're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die! Alice started chanting underneath her protector. We're not going to die, he said to her. Just keep your eyes closed and count to ten under your breath. Ten? Why the hell am I counting to ten? Filthy Henry shrugged his shoulders and kept an eye on Maeve. No real reason. Just figured it might calm me down a little bit so you'd stop chanting into my ear. I need to concentrate. Sometimes a person would wake up and know, just from those first few seconds, that the day ahead was going to be bad. It could have been the way the sun shone through the window, or how the pillow had ended up on the floor during the night. But there was always something to indicate unfortunate events lay ahead. Other times, these little hints of unpleasantness might be missed and the day, as if it wanted to ensure a person got the memo, would continue to drop little warning signs along the way. Still, it was possible for these to be completely missed, maybe even flat out ignored, if a person was stubborn enough. When that sort of thing happened, then a person would be given one final, very hard to dismiss, indication that this was not going to be a good day. As the white beam of energy wiped out every one of her warriors, Maeve realised that today was not going to be a good day. To make matters worse, it appeared as if the death ray was coming straight towards her and growing in size. There was nowhere to run, no place to hide, and no time to get away. Today was a bad day. There was, however, a fleeting moment of joy in this disastrous situation. Filthy Henry had yet to stop kissing the girl in his arms, and the beam of light was heading straight for them. Maeve stopped walking, dropped her sword to the ground, and decided to let fate have its way. Clearly the queen was never meant to have both bulls in her possession, to become the rightful all-powerful ruler of Ireland. But if she was going to be removed from this world by a magical blast, then the final thing Maeve wanted to see was Filthy Henry being obliterated in the process. Then, just as he was about to be destroyed, the interfering Egypt pulled the girl in close and dropped to the ground. The white light sailed over him harmlessly and smashed into Maeve with a force she had never felt before in her life. It lifted her off the grass and knocked the air out of her lungs. Magical energy swirled around her body and the queen could feel it tear her apart. Then the crone's spell kicked in and Maeve smiled as the modern world slipped away. Shelley could do nothing but stare in disbelief at what had just happened. Cahill somehow had caused the hurly-stick to work for him once again and completely wiped out the line of men with swords. In one fell swoop he had cleared the field of every attacker who meant him harm. As the magic beam of light carried on, it spread out wider and wider like an ice cream cone of death and destruction. The brightness intensified so much that it hurt her ears to look at it. Although that made absolutely no sense, but Shelley had no other way of describing the feeling. Just looking at it caused her eardrums to hurt, 
like loud music being played straight into her skull. She scanned ahead of the beam, to the path it was taking, and saw Filthy Henry still playing tonsil tennis with Alice. Just as the cone was about to connect with the fairy detective, he dropped to the grass, falling on top of the girl. Dagda above, Shelley swore under her breath. That was close. It's going to hit that woman, Mammy Cullen said, pointing at Maeve. True enough, as the energy went over the fairy detective, it slammed into Maeve. For a brief moment, the field was as bright as daytime. Then, as suddenly as it had all began, it was over. The beam brightened so much that all three of them had to shield their eyes from it. When it died down, the magic had ceased. Out on the hilltop, Cottle staggered for a moment, dropped the hurley stick, then collapsed to the ground. A single wisp of magical smoke rose up from the hurley and drifted away on the wind. Shelley looked to where Filthy Henry had been and was relieved to see him climb to his feet, then help Alice get up. Of Maeve and her men, there was no sign. I guess we won, Drew said, looking around. Along the edges of the field, the green line faded away, the magical barrier vanishing. From his car seat, Ulton let out a squeal of delight, then started to chew on his right hand. We won, Shelley said. The Mirai looked from Shelley to the druid and back, then slowly nodded her head once. The champion was present on the field at the moment of victory. The magic of his ancestor was used to vanquish those who sought the bull, Mirai said. It appears Filthy Henry truly is able to play precisely by the rules. All is as it should be, once more. We are no longer needed. With that, the Mirai conjured up her portal and stepped into it, vanishing from sight as the light disappeared. Well now, this has been an eye-opener of a night. Make no mistake, Mammy Cullen said, staring at the field in wide-eyed disbelief. Shelley turned around and started walking back into the forest, unhindered by Maeve's shield. Drew ran up to her and cupped her right elbow. Where are you going? he said. Uh, don't you pair usually debrief the rest of us or something? Shelley shook her head. In the fairy world you picked your words carefully and precisely, especially when making deals. A deal had been agreed with the Marai, and that had been kept right down to the letter. I'm going home, she said. I'll see you around, Drew. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it. <laughs>